Welcome back to State Sponsored Conspiracy Podcast. This is the only conspiracy podcast that is officially sponsored by the U.S. government. You know everything I'm saying is true. This is only the realest of real talk here. My co-host is not here. Um, I would love to say that that is for some sort of cool reason, um, like his cover was blown or he is in some secret uh, court underground. Uh, but the reality is that he got in a fight in a Wendy's bathroom, and he is in jail. He didn't. Do, he didn't do it. Like he is innocent um, because it was self-defense, and the employees deserved it. Um, but until that gets resolved, I'm just flying solo back, just like the original podcast. Today, this is an episode I wanted to do from the very beginning, but was slowly accumulating. Uh, enough material for and that is conspiracies outside of america i wanted to talk about conspiracies that are popular in other countries because some of these i had never heard of before at all and some of them are very funny to me and i think you know maybe sometimes it's good to take a break from american conspiracies and branch out we don't we don't want this to be a americentric podcast. Well, actually, I, I I do, but it's fun to branch out. We should start with Mexico, our neighbor. And I think some of our uh, craziness is rubbed off onto Mexico. Um, they had, during COVID, Mexico had their own sort of special OC conspiracy, where they said that COVID was a front to get people into hospitals kill them, and then harvest their knee fluid, aka their synovial fluid. And supposedly synovial fluid is so valuable um, that COVID was set up just so they could harvest it from the knees of the Mexican population. Some versions of this conspiracy involve um, like 5G technology running off of synovial fluid, uh, which would be cool if it did. That'd be very like cyberpunk, if that's how 5G worked. But it's not. That was, that's not what makes it so fast. And actually, as I was looking into uh, this one, I was sort of looking at other countries' anti-vaccine sentiments. And I think America is known as being uh, super paranoid, which obviously we are, and uh, known for being anti-vax. But France is actually the most anti-vax country in the world. The frogs do not want the vaccine. There was a big study done by a British research group called the Wellcome Trust, and it showed that one in three French people say vaccines aren't safe. One in three. That is big. And for comparison, only 11% of Americans in the study said they didn't think vaccines were safe. Um, generally speaking, the most pro-vaccine countries are the less industrialized ones. So the most pro-vaccine country was Bangladesh in this study, where only 2% uh, of them were anti-vax. Uh, and sort of the thinking behind this is that in these less industrialized countries, uh, it's very easy to see the direct benefits of vaccine, um, where like in the very recent past they did not have vaccines and they were kind of screwed whereas if you're in an industrial country like france or america 
Uh, it's been a while. It's been like a generation or two, I guess, um, since there weren't vaccines for like big things. And so it's, it's, uh, it's easier to forget and be like, eh, who needs vaccines? Don't they have uh, mercury in them or something? And so you can forget that they actually uh, help you not die of diseases. Whereas if you live in Bangladesh, you're probably not going to forget about that. And France is kind of a, they're kind of a weird case where part of it is because they just have a lot of like fringe political people in France uh, who hate the government, uh, like left-wing people and right-wing people who hate and distrust the government and don't want to get the vaccine. And there was also like weird medical disasters in France that (laughs) make them extra skeptical. Uh, in the 80s, the Centre National de Transfusion Sanguine gave almost 5,000 people AIDS um, in France. That was 5,000 people just in France uh, by using blood in transfusions that had not been heated to get rid of the AIDS virus. And then when journalists proved that they did in fact know that they should not have used this unheated blood, a lot of people totally lost faith in the French medical system. They said, we've had enough. I have AIDS. These people suck. I'm not going to get the vaccine either. So it was kind of like distrust carried over into the, the COVID era from previous incidents, not really because of COVID itself. And they also had a, a weird thing with the H1N1 uh, virus, aka the swine flu in 2009. Where France, for whatever reason, they really freaked out about it. And they bought a ton of the swine flu vaccine. And they wanted everyone to get it. And they had this huge national rollout planned. Like a COVID-esque rollout planned. But they didn't let general practitioners, sort of like normal doctors, give it to people. And people were mad about that. So then the government said, all right, we're going to have two versions of the vaccine. We're going to have one for normal people, and then we're going to have one without the adjuvant, which will be for kids and pregnant women. And adjuvant is basically the part that's like a little bit of the virus, but it doesn't give you the virus. It just gives you immunity. And so when people saw that, they were just like, well, why, why do you need a kid version? Is it safer than the normal version? I don't want to get the normal version. And so that whole vaccine rollout really set them up for having a a poor covid vaccine turnout which i thought was pretty interesting not exactly a uniquely french conspiracy uh but i thought that was interesting but to get back to mexico there is a there is a lot of like cartel related conspiracies uh most of which are like i think this guy is working with the cia which i mean he probably is uh but my favorite one is the conspiracy that the drug lord Amado Carrillo Fuentes is secretly still alive, although he is officially dead. And the official story is admittedly very suspicious and sounds like it is from a movie. Because the official story is that he died in 1997 while he was getting plastic surgery on his face so that he could go into hiding. How suspicious is that? And then both of the plastic surgeons who worked on him were found chopped up, um, buried in uh, concrete, and then poured into steel drums. 
Now that could be because the his cartel bros were like, hey, you really botched that surge <laughs> and then they killed him. Or it could be because they they are the only two people now who know that he's secretly alive and know his new identity, know his new face, and so they had to take him out. Seems pretty believable. I think that that's a pretty fun Mexican conspiracy. I wish we had more conspiracies like that. Honestly, that's pretty badass. And they also have something which this is sort of like the Mexican version of the JFK conspiracy. And usually I don't like when people try to draw these sorts of comparisons. This is kind of this is like a sidebar. But there was an episode of Radio Lab which I have I have full authority to criticize Radio Lab cuz I've listened to like 500 radio Radio Lab episodes before it started to really suck. And there was an episode where they interviewed this guy. I can't remember his name cuz I wasn't this isn't my notes. I wasn't going to talk about this. I can't remember. I'm not good with names. But basically, this was the guy who uh, invented a way to type out um, Chinese with a keyboard, like, really effectively. So it's thought that he essentially saved the Chinese, like, traditional Chinese written language, like, moving into the 21st century. Because there was a huge, like, crisis, and the government was, like, freaking out, like, what do we do? Do we have to create a new written language? Everyone's going to be typing now instead of writing. What are we going to do? And this guy basically solved the problem because he's like a genius, like linguist. <laughs> and like they they interview him and they're just like, "So you're like the Chinese Steve Jobs?" And I was just like, I was just rolling out. I'm like, no, like everything you said, he no, he's not at all like that. Now, this was a horrible comparison. But anyway, my my comparison is better than that. This is kind of like their JFK. Um, there was a senator named Luis Donaldo Colosio Marieta, and he ran for president of Mexico in 1994, and he was assassinated while at a campaign stop in Tijuana, and it has been theorized ever since that something very shady was going on. Uh, the shooter was arrested pretty fast, a guy named Mario, and he has always maintained that he acted alone. But the it's a pretty common conspiracy in Mexico that he was working for the current president at the time, or that he was working for the cartels. And part of what kind of fueled the conspiracy was that they shaved Mario's head and gave him like a prison haircut. And so the pictures of him that were taken right after he was put into custody look totally different than like old pictures of him, which made people suspicious. And there's also, they have their own sort of like grassy knoll multi-bullet situation going on where there's a lot of arguments about how many times this guy got shot. Uh, the guy's wife died of cancer while she was investigating his murder. And the current president, who is suspected of killing him, did not attend her funeral, which was seen as a very suspicious snub. Like, um, which I I think... You, I don't think you could get away with that in America either. I think, I think if Jill Biden died, like Trump would have to go to the funeral, right? Like he, like according to like etiquette, I think you'd have to. Uh, but anyway, the guy's dad also has always maintained that he was murdered and it was a conspiracy. And there's like endless books about this. There's a bunch of movies about this. But I had never heard of this before, just as a... American man 
knowing about American conspiracies. Now, probably the best Mexican conspiracy, probably the most fun, is um, the idea that the cities of Ciudad Madero and Tampico are being protected from hurricanes uh, by psychic aliens. There is, uh, in Tampico, there is the Association of Scientific UFO Research of Tamaulipas, a.k.a. ACOT, and they have said that there is an underwater alien base that protects them from hurricanes. Because these cities are in the Gulf of Mexico, like right on the edge, and it is kind of surprising that they've never been hit by a hurricane. Like, they've gotten lucky and avoided, like, real powerful hurricane blasts. And the ACOT's president, uh, Juan Carlos, he has said that he has been to the alien base. Not physically. Not physically, but he has astrally projected to the alien base. So he has visited and met the aliens. And he did this with the power of meditation and being pescatarian. So red meat and chicken is what is really stopping you from astrally projecting. You need to cut that out if you want to start, you know, traveling to alien bases and stuff. And he also said that a key part of being able to do this is uh, walking up temples and pyramid ruins. But if you don't live in Mexico right next to ancient Mayan ruins like he does, he said that you can use a hill that's at like a 45 degree angle. So it's really more about the angle. It's not as much about the temples. Um, the local government of uh, the city that ACOT is in, they like kind of got into it. Um, like they thought it was fun too. And they put up like an alien bust on the beach and it was stolen like immediately. And they also made an official holiday called Day of the Martian. Which I think is nice. Like they're they're going along, they're just going along with it, which I think is the best response. Like if you have these people in your town, like just just roll with it. Now, the Australian conspiracy I'm going to talk about, to me, it sort of shows how Australia is like not a serious country. Now, I like Australia as much as the next guy. I like, you know, Tame Impala, King Gizzard. Um, there's a lot of good Australian movies. That one, uh, Western, um, you know, Walkabout, Picnic at Hanging Rock. I could actually go on because I'm, I'm actually quite into Australian movies. But you get the point. I like Australia. But it's not, like a, it's not a very serious place. Because their big conspiracy is that um, Harold Holt, their prime minister in 1967, who disappeared while swimming in the ocean in 1967. He just vanished. The body was never found. Now, for context, the previous year, he had been shot at by a sniper while in office. Obviously, this makes things a little more suspicious. And because of, you know, the time that it was, and because, again, Australia is basically not a real country, he had no, like, security detail. Uh, but after he got shot at... <laughs> He had, he had one bodyguard uh, with him, uh, but he actually, he did not bring his bodyguard on vacation, uh, which is, that's when he disappeared, is when he was on vacation swimming in the ocean. And he was a big ocean enjoyer, as I assume many Australians are from the movies I've seen. 
He enjoyed spear fishing and swimming, and uh, apparently when he got bored during parliament sessions, he would sit there and he would see how long he could hold his breath to train for spear fishing. He was basically like the living incarnation of the the sort of I'd rather be fishing like boomer. And people actually tried to get him to stop this behavior. They tried to get him to stop swimming so much in the ocean. And he told his press secretary, Harold Holt told him, look, Tony, what are the odds a prime minister being drowned or taken by a shark? This is a real quote from him. And earlier, like a few months before he disappeared, he was swimming and he had to be rescued, actually. Like people had to drag him to shore. And even closer to his disappearance, just a few days before, his doctor told him that he needed to chill with swimming because he had a shoulder injury and he was 59 years old. Also, he was the prime minister of a country. Uh, Despite all of this, you know, making it seem like it's pretty obvious that he just drowned. The big conspiracies are uh, ignoring this. And you have the suicide conspiracy um, that says that he did it on purpose. This is probably the most plausible one, but pretty most people who knew him say this doesn't make sense. Uh, he was a pretty happy, chill guy. You know, he was spearfishing, holding his breath, thinking parliament. You know, he had, he had a, like, mistresses. He was... He was like banging people. And his wife said that he was, quote, too selfish for suicide. So, I mean, you know they had a great relationship based on that quote. Uh, there's other conspiracies are like different people killed him. The CIA killed him because he wanted to pull out of Vietnam. Uh, the Viet Cong killed him because he left too many troops in Vietnam. Um, he faked his death to be with his lovers. That's the most romantic version of the conspiracy. Then there is the ultimate version, which was put forth in a book called The Prime Minister Was a Spy, which came out in 1983, so way afterwards. And it was by a British writer named Anthony Gray. Anthony Gray, at one point in time, was a real reporter. He was not just the guy who wrote this book while he was on crack or something. He worked for Reuters. And he was imprisoned by the Chinese government for two years back in the 60s. So possibly that experience made him a little bit biased against China. Also, maybe it made him crazy. Because the argument of the book is that Harold Holt was secretly a Chinese spy. And he swam out to the ocean. And he was picked up by a secret Chinese submarine, which whisked him away to live the rest of his life in China. Um, He got this theory from a former Australian Navy officer named Ronald Titcombe, which is an extremely, like, Anglo name. And uh, the book says that Holt had worked for China for pretty much his whole life. Like, he linked up with them when he was in college. And then he finally got into position at Prime Minister but just as he got in, he found out that the Australian version of the CIA was on to him, and so he had to bail and go for his final swim. This book was not taken seriously by anyone, uh, pretty much ever. It contained a lot of stuff that was just provably false, uh, to the point where it could not even get a following of crazy people going. You know, if you can't even get that audience, you've really done something wrong. 
Australia's Attorney General said, quote, the whole tale seems to be straight out of fruitcake land. <laughs> Which, I don't know if that meant he was saying the conspiracy was gay, or if that's, you know, maybe they don't, that word doesn't have that connotation in Australia. And Holt's wife said that he, quote, didn't even like Chinese food. So another great quote from the wife. She handled his death very well, obviously. She was doing great. That's about how seriously this conspiracy was taken. However, the Navy guy, Ronald Titcomb, ended up suing uh, the British newspaper The Observer for libel uh, because The Observer had called the book a hoax. And he ends up winning a ton of money in this case because for weird like British libel law reasons, The Observer would have had to prove that Ronald Titcomb was basically lying on purpose and acting in bad faith, and they couldn't. They couldn't prove that he was lying and not just being like a delusional, you know, idiot. And so they had to give him a ton of money. It has since become a sort of Australian meme, uh, like doing a Harold Holt means making a quick exit, I, sort of like an Irish goodbye, I guess. And the Australian army dedicated a pool to him, the Harold Holt Memorial Pool, which that's like, obviously, that's kind that's like an ironic memorial is pretty dark. I didn't know the Australian sense of humor and banter was that dark. I guess it's sort of British in a way, which I, I thought that was pretty funny. Now, moving on to another island, Taiwan. Taiwan is full of conspiracies and weird religious cults, it turns out. Obviously, everyone knows it's full of microchips, and that's why we're going to have to save them from China as I've discussed previously in an ad read. But there are a lot of conspiracies about the like country status of Taiwan. There's some people in Taiwan who think that they're still part of Japan, like the Imperial Japanese Empire. But the big one is that Taiwan is secretly, legally part of America. There is a group called Taiwan Civil Government, or Taiwan Civil Society. I strongly recommend visiting their excellent website where they discuss how Taiwan is, in fact, legally part of America. The website has like a lot of pictures on the side, and it kind of it like alternates between like Taiwanese pictures and American pictures to sort of give you this sense of unity. So there will be like a Buddhist shrine, and then the next picture is like Ronald Reagan, and then there will be like a hot Taiwanese girl with like a crop top and then a bald eagle. And it just goes back and forth like that. Taiwan, America. Do you, do you see the connection? And there's a picture of Uncle Sam and it says, I want you to love the Taiwan session, which is great. They, they have a physical office in Taiwan. This is not just a website. And their office is covered in like huge American flags. This is what their website has to say about their sort of their big point. And I'm going to do a Taiwanese accent, but it's going to be tasteful. Taiwan is a territorial session under Article 2B of the Senate-ratified San Francisco Peace Treaty of April 28, 1952. The treaty did not specify a receiving country for this territorial session. However, Article 23A confirms the United States of America as, quote, the principal occupying power. 
The scope of application of this legal responsibility is clarified by Article 4B, which gives disposition rights over Taiwan territory to a federal agency called the United States military government. So that is their that is their like big argument. Now in real life, outside of this crazy website, <laughs> these people, um, the Treaty of San Francisco, what it did was it officially restored peaceful relations between Japan and the US after World War II. That was like the big point of the treaty. And so Japan, uh, they gave up Taiwan and the legal status of Taiwan was left undetermined because, you know, the the tricky situation was China was already there and America didn't want to deal with it. And so they just left it as is. But according to these guys, they're saying, no, we are part of America still. And the rest of their website is like really like technical stuff. Like you should be able to get a passport from America. Like my my like Taiwanese passport is not real. And I mean, obviously sort of the motivation behind this is like, well, if we're part of America, we're not, we're definitely not part of China. Um, and I mean, I guess I'd be, I'd be down for taking on Taiwan as the 51st country. I think that would be fun to just have a, a, a sort of a random 51st state that has like 20 million people and they don't speak English and they are, you know, China. <laughs> That'd be cool. I res- I respect this attempt. You know, hope good good luck to them. I hope they don't get uh taken over by Xi Jinping. Now, Germany has a, a sort of similar conspiracy. But really what this German thing is more similar to is sort of like the sovereign citizen movement in America, which I'm sure you've all heard of, but I might do an episode on cuz it's very funny. Now, this this German gr- conspiracy group is called Reichsburger Bewingen. And don't say I'm pronouncing it wrong, because we won World War II, so I get to say it however I want. I determine how it's pronounced. We pretty much picked the borders of your country, so we I decide this now. Now, according to these people, the the burgers, I'll just call them the burgers, the current German government is not real. And guess guess what they think the real one is? No, it's actually not the Nazi one. It's the Second Reich which was the one before the Nazi one, before Germany was uh, their little democracy period. The Second Reich was the German Empire that was founded in 1871. That's what they think is still legally real. And so they don't pay taxes, and they make their own passports and driver's license, kind of like sovereign citizens do over here in America. Because, you know, they say, was this driver's license issued by Wilhelm I? No? Well, I don't want it then. This is useless to me. And the, mostly what they do, like their, 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 big, their main activity, is they absolutely blast local German courts with tons of motions and, like, nonsense complaints. Because of the way Germany's weird legal system works, all of these things that they file must be like properly addressed and taken care of. You can't just like toss them in the shredder. So they create, they're known for creating like endless amounts of totally pointless paperwork for these like poor random German bureaucrats. Uh, also one of them shot a cop uh, and they have had various plans to overthrow the government, be exposed and broken up. But that's more of a side thing. Their Their big main activity is spamming the courts with nonsense 
So according to them, modern Germany is not a country, but merely a sort of business construct that was created by the Allies after World War II. And their big thing is that Germany never signed a peace treaty after World War II, which that is true. Um, Germany officially surrendered, but because there wasn't even really a government at the time, there was not like a peace treaty. So they say Germany is an LLC, and the so-called citizens are just employees. And these guys are actually made fun of by neo-Nazis in Germany for being too wacky. And it was, it was originally started by a guy named Wolfgang Gerhard Gunther Ebel, which is an extremely German name. And he has issued thousands of arrest warrants against people who have uh, denied his self-made driver's license. And he has been arrested himself by the real police uh, many times. Um, and they're, you know, and they're like Mercedes with like green flashing lights on top. And they're like yellow vests. And he gets arrested for like impersonating a public servant. He's never like shot anyone. He's not one of those guys. Um, but he always gets off because at some point a court decided that he was legally insane. And so he's never done like real jail time for any of his shenanigans. He supposedly owns a helicopter, which is, I would be concerned about that. This is not someone who I would want to have uh, flying a helicopter around my neighborhood. Now, a small one I want to, a small uh, foreign conspiracy I want to mention that does not belong to any particular country, um, but is more of just a general sort of Muslim thing is that Neil Armstrong heard the call to prayer, or the azan, while he was on the moon. And when he came back to Earth, he converted to Islam. I guess sort of the origin of this is that like the moon is like a big symbol in Islam. And I mean, you can, you can picture like the Muslim like Facebook posts about this now. Like you, you can just instantly picture it in your mind. It's great. And apparently this sort of became such a big thing that the State Department sent out an official letter to different embassies of Muslim countries saying, no, Neil Armstrong is not a Muslim. And Neil Armstrong himself has actually addressed it in a book that he wrote. He said, no, I did not hear the call to prayer while I was on the moon, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, now, moving on to the Philippines, there's two good... Filipino conspiracies I would like to get into. The Robinson's Galleria, which is a mall in the Philippines, uh, is thought to be the home to a half-snake, half-woman who lives in the basement and is fed humans via secret dressing room trap doors. So you go into the dressing room, you think, I'm gonna try on, I'm gonna try on this hat. Well, actually, you wouldn't go into, you wouldn't go into your dressing room to try on a hat unless you're really self-conscious about how you look in a hat. But you go into the dressing room, and then boom, the trapdoor is activated. You fall down into the basement, and the half-snake, half-woman, there's some fantasy term for this. I don't know, because I'm, I'm not a nerd, okay? I don't know these things. Actually, I think it's Lamia. I do know. I am a nerd. So the, she comes out, and she eats them. And the, the, the theory is that she is the secret daughter of the owner of the mall. And in fact, the mall was built f sort of for her so that they could lure in people and feed them to her. 
And I, I watched a video on YouTube where the, the family who owns the mall, they addressed these snake rumors. And uh, the, it's because it, it kind of became like a thing. They, they even had, they had like a commercial where like, a, like an actress, it was like a snake. And like they kind of like play into it. And I thought I would learn something from this video, uh, but it didn't have subtitles, so I didn't know what they were saying. Uh, and I looked in the comments to try to learn more, uh, but the comments were just, it was just Filipinos saying, like, oh, the 90s were such a classy time for the Philippines. Like, everyone was so classy and well-spoken. It was just like Filipinos being nostalgic for the 90s, which, you know, nothing wrong with that. Now, the more serious Filipino conspiracy has to do with Ferdinand Marcos, who was the dictator from 1965 to 1986, which is a long time. We had five presidents during that time, to put it in perspective. So this, this guy was really locked in. And he did all kinds of you know bad stuff. He killed a bunch of people. Um, but one of the things he was really known for as dictator was stealing money from the country and just transferring it to his family's private funds. He stole the equivalent of something like 11 to 20 billion American adjusted for inflation dollars, which is a pretty insane amount of money. And some of this money came from the U.S. Uh, we would send him money as like a, a thank you for putting some Filipino troops in Vietnam. And he would just say, thank you, I will put that into my personal bank account. I assume that is what you meant. So his family became insanely rich as a result of this. And his son is the current president. And so the supporters of the Marcos family and his son, they have created this conspiracy to explain why they are so rich and why it's not because they stole all the money from the government. The real reason, according to them, is that they found a secret hidden treasure of gold in the Philippines. They found Yamashita's gold. And Yamashita's gold is itself a little bit of conspiracy. Because most historians would probably say that it doesn't really exist. But like it could, it could exist. And it is supposedly all of the treasure that was looted by a Japanese general, Yamashita, and he had to leave too fast. And so he stashed all of his treasure all over the Philippines as uh, America was kicking everyone out. And Ferdinand Marcos, he went exploring and he found it all. And that's, why, that's the real reason he's so rich, is because he found all the gold coins that this World War II general hid in caves. And people, act, people actually like put this forward. His, it marked, uh, Fernand Marcos's wife has said this, for instance. She said, we found, we found the treasure. Like, we found the, the one piece. And that's why we're so rich. And like the, the biggest, craziest version of the conspiracy is that the, the current president, Marcos's son, he will one day use the gold. He will use the one piece to save the Philippines and usher in a literal golden age so he the sun is basically like the monkey de luffy of the philippines and this is something that like crazy right-wing people in the philippines are into which i gotta i gotta give them props for that like that is 
on par with QAnon in terms of craziness. And like it's as original. Like imagine imagining like the dictator of your country with like a headlamp, like looking through caves, like finding like golden statues of the Buddha. Like that is on par with believing that Donald Trump is like going around underground tunnels, like picking up kids in his arms. Like it's gonna be okay. Like that's they they caught up to us. That's pretty good that they were able to come up with something that, that that's that insane. I will now move on to Korea. Now you have probably heard about Korean fan death, uh, but in case you haven't heard of it, in Korea, less so now than in the past, but in Korea, it is considered dangerous to sleep with a fan uh, because it's thought that it could like kill you by like asphyxiating you or whatever. This was like a genuine public health concern. And like real publications are saying like you can't sleep with the fan. And the conspiracy, the Korean conspiracy, is that their government actually started this idea to save electricity during the 70s energy crisis. That's the whole conspiracy. It's, that's kind of a short one. Uh, but I, th- I thought it was interesting, so I wanted to bring it up. Now moving on to India. This is the final country I will cover. And they have some really good ones. Basically, right-wing Hindu nationalists in India have created a lot of, you know, we was type conspiracies. For instance, uh, they have said that Shivkar Bapuji Talpade invented the airplane eight years before the Wright brothers. And his plane was a bamboo cylinder that ran on mercury. Um, This is not real. There is no contemporary account of this flight or anything um and the better version of this conspiracy is that indians invented flight way earlier than the wright brothers like three thousand years earlier they had planes and how you get those sorts of conspiracies is basically these like hindu nationalist people look at the epics like ye olden indian tales and they see something that was supposed to be like mythical or supernatural. And they just say, well, that was actually because of our advanced technology. So there's a, there's an epic where a woman has a hundred children. And then they say, well, this is because they had advanced like stem cell technology, man, India was so advanced. And they see that there was like a flying temple, like a castle in the sky. And they say, damn, we had like jets, India, number one. A governor in India, or sort of like the equivalent of a governor, uh, Biplop Deb, he said that ancient Indians had internet, and he based this on an epic where a character tells his king exactly what happened in a battle right after the battle, uh, even though the battle was very far away. So he sort of said, well, look at this instant communication. Clearly they had internet. India, number one. Uh, And they also, they've said that ancient India had nukes. Now, keep in mind, this is basically like Bronze Age India. Bronze Age India had this stuff. So there's epics where there's like god weapons that come down and like make areas unusable afterwards. Like it's so devastating you can't grow crops there. Obviously, that's the fallout radiation. India number one. We had nukes. And I think looking at this, like after reading about that stuff, I realize there's sort of a pattern developing here. With this and the last couple episodes, 
of the nation, but talking about the nation of Islam and the like black Israelites and stuff, it seems like people really just enjoy, you know, making up past accomplishments for themselves. And no, like no group is immune to this. Everyone likes to do it. Everybody likes to make stuff up about the past to make themselves seem even cooler. This, uh, this seems to be like a pretty universal human thing to do. And I think, um, I think it's like particularly big in like community, like areas that have been beat up by, uh, like colonial powers or like people like not, it doesn't have to be people colonizing them, but like people keeping them down, like, you know, the British in India and like the slave masters in America and then the government later in America. And I, so I think it's sort of like a self-defense mechanism where if like, if everyone is saying like, oh, you suck, you have no culture, you know, you might just turn around and say, oh yeah, we have no culture. Actually, we're Jews or actually we had nukes 3000 years ago. You might be tempted to take that path if, uh, if the white man, (laughs) you know, keeps you down for too long. And then if you're, if you're a white man who's saying this stuff, like if you're like a Christian identity guy or whatever. You know, you you just, you spent too much time on the internet or something. Or, um, you know, you don't have a lot going on uh, in your life. And I guess the, the other, the other, I think, conclusion we can draw here is that Americans are not the only people who can get into, like, crazy paranoid conspiracies. I would just like to put that out there. Americans, you know, maybe we're not, maybe some things we're bad at, you know, working out, not you know, not gaining a lot of weight. You know, maybe we're not great at stuff like that. But I will not have America be accused of being the only country with people who are a little, a little too noited, a little, a little too into the conspiracies. Because clearly, every every country likes to get into some conspiracies. So I think that's kind of nice to know. And if there are any conspiracies, uh, I look at the stats. I know not all of you guys live in America. If uh, if there are any conspiracies in your country or even like your area that you don't think your average American, such as myself, would have heard of, uh, you can email them to me. I would like to know. I'd like to hear about them. If you would like to donate to my co-host legal defense for the Wendy's bathroom brawl incident, uh, we're going to be setting up a GoFundMe for that. He he is not in the wrong, but it's going to be difficult for a, a jury to understand that. That's sort of how I'll put it. Like, he is innocent, but the jury is going to say, well, he started the fight. Um, he escalated the fight. You know, he pulled them into the bathroom. And that's going to make it look like he's not innocent. Uh, so the GoFundMe for that is going to be up. Uh, that's going to be up soon. Uh, email me your conspiracies. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.